For I've had enough of this world and its pleasures. I will arise and go forth to the house of my young. I will arise and go forth to the house of my father. I will arise and go forth to the house of my young. House of my young. Shalom, and welcome to today's teaching on the Hebraic roots of Christianity, where we study first century Christianity and the faith that Jesus, whose Hebrew name is Yeshua, which means salvation, taught his disciples. And now, Hebraic roots teacher Eddie Chumney of Hebraic Heritage Ministries International. Shalom. I'm Eddie Chumney of Hebraic Heritage Ministries, and we welcome you to today's teaching on the subject the events of Passover. This is part three of the series. For shall we sacrifice the abomination of the Egyptians? Look what Moses says in the next verse. However, we will go three days journey into the wilderness and sacrifice to the Lord our God as he shall command us. In other words, this does not make any sense at all. But we got to obey him anyhow. This is how the entire kingdom of God operates. When you seek to obey him, you'll get to the place where by obeying him, things won't make sense to you. And that's where you got to persevere and go on. In believing and doing the will of the God of Israel, the enemy begins then to offer compromise to you. Exodus chapter 8 verse 28, Pharaoh said, I will let you go that you may sacrifice to the Lord your God, he tells Moses, but only you, Moses, can go. But when you go, don't go very far and then come back to me. First he says, I'm not going to let you go at all. And then he begins to offer compromise. Moses, I'll let you go. But is that what the God of Israel said? No, he wants the whole nation to come out. Moses is offered a compromise proposal. Then the God of of Israel confirms his word. So that's what's going to happen. You seek to do his will. The enemy will come, try to take the word away. He'll offer you compromise, but you'll get word back to you to confirm what he originally told you. In Exodus chapter 9 verse 1, then the Lord said to Moses, go into Pharaoh and tell him, thus says the Lord God your Hebrews, let my people go that they may serve me. Now wait a second. Moses just did this and things got worse. God comes back and says, now go do it again. Well, the last time he did it, things got worse. Where is the encouragement for Moses to go and obey God when the last time he obeyed God things got worse. In his logical mind if we obey the God of Israel the Egyptians are going to kill us. This is what will happen as you're believing and walking in the ways of the God of Israel. As you persevere in the ways of the God of Israel the enemy will offer more compromise. Exodus chapter 10 verses 8 through 11 says and Moses and Aaron were brought again into Pharaoh and he said to them go serve the Lord your God but who are they that shall go? You can go but who's got to go? Moses said okay we will go with our young with our old, our sons, our daughters, our flocks, our herds, to hold a feast unto the God of Israel. Pharaoh replies and says, Let the Lord be so with you. I will let you go, Moses, and your little ones look to it, for evil is before you. In other words, if your little ones go, it's going to be bad for them. The little ones shouldn't go. Next verse, Not so. Go now, you that are men, and serve the Lord your God. For that you did desire, and they were driven out from Pharaoh's presence.
presence. Okay, your little ones, it's got to be too harmful for them to go. It's too dangerous. Moses, you can go and all the men. Pharaoh, after that request, it's turned down because that's not what the God of Israel says. Pharaoh offers more compromise. Pharaoh called into Moses and said, now go serve the Lord. Only let your flocks and your herds stay behind. Your little ones can go with you. Moses said, thou must give us also the sacrifices and the burnt offerings. So they need the flocks and the herds that we may sacrifice on the Lord our God. Our cattle also shall go with us. There shall not a hoof be left behind for therefore must we take to serve the Lord our God and we know not with what we must serve the Lord until we go there. So he says, okay, Moses, you can go. The men can go. The children will go, but not your cattle. Here we see the progression of the compromises which the enemy makes when we seek to obey the God of Israel and to do his will. We see the progression. First, Pharaoh said in Exodus 5.2, I will not let the children of Israel go. In Exodus 8.28, he says, only Moses can go. But then in Exodus chapter 10, verses 8 through 11, he says, only the men can go. In Exodus chapter 10, verses 24-26, he says, only the men and the children can go. But ultimately, after the death of the firstborn, who is let go? Men, women, children, and the cattle, the original request. We see that ultimately the will of the God of Israel will come to pass, but not without affliction and persecution and the enemy offering compromise and God of Israel confirming his word and we standing upon that, then we will see the victory. That is exactly what Yeshua spoke about in the parable of the sower that sows the word. But even after now we're doing the will of the God of Israel, the men, women, children, and the cattle go, the enemy is still upset with us because when he sees that by doing the will of the God of Israel that we get what he perceives to be in a corner, then he'll still continue to pursue you. And then when he even then continues to pursue you as Pharaoh and his army pursued the children of Israel in Exodus chapter 14 verse 5 through 9, ultimately the final defeat of the enemy comes about when you see the power of the God of Israel as he drowned Pharaoh and his army in the Red Sea. Exodus chapter 15 and verse 4. Ultimately, Pharaoh lets the children of Israel go after the death of the firstborn. Exodus chapter 12 verses 31 and 32. Notice how much time and effort it took for ultimately the word and the will of the God of Israel to come to pass. That's why it says in Hebrews chapter 10 verse 36, for you have need of patience after you have done the will of God that you may receive the promise. Why do you need patience? Because it will take patience to see the promise of the word of God come to pass. Ultimately, when it does come to pass, you see the fruit. But notice that it described the affliction and the persecution before you saw the harvest. The harvest is Mark chapter 4 verse 20. These are they which are sown on good ground, such as hear the word and receive it and bring forth fruit. Some 30-fold, some 60, and some 100-fold. When we do the will of the God of Israel, he will then take us to the promised land, which is fulfilling the promises that he ultimately made unto us. Because once Pharaoh and his army drowned in the Red Sea, Exodus chapter 15, verse 4, then the children of Israel were free to go to Mount Sinai and thus to the promised land. Deuteronomy 6.23, he brought us out that he might bring us in to give us a land that he swear unto our fathers. Now the last principle that we're going to look at and looking at the event of Passover in this session is we're going to look at the two signs that the God of Israel gave to Moses to affirm that he was sent. And this is found in Exodus in chapter 4. Exodus chapter 
chapter 4, verse 1 begins with these words. And Moses answered and said, But behold, they will not believe me, nor hearken unto my voice, for they will say, The Lord has not appeared unto you. The parallel with what Moses said, how he would be received, is similar to what Yeshua said regarding him, him being the greater Moses. John chapter 4, verse 48, Yeshua said unto him, Except you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. They won't believe unless they see a sign. Because the people won't believe unless they see a sign, the God of Israel gives two signs to Moses. Exodus chapter 4, verse 8, it says, It will come to pass, if they will not believe you, nor hearken to the voice of the first sign, that they will believe in the voice of the latter sign. Remember the principle. The events that are happening historically are prophecy of what will happen to future descendants. It's all about the work of the Messiah. These two signs, the first sign and the latter sign, that we're going to look at, we're going to ultimately understand that the first sign represents the resurrection of the Messiah. The second sign represents the restoration and the regathering of both houses of Israel. These are the two major signs that the God of Israel gives to his people so that they would know who is the Messiah. So let's look at the first sign of Moses. Exodus chapter 4 verse 12. The Lord said unto him, What is in your hand? And he said, A rod. The Hebrew word rod is matah or mateh and it is the Strong's number 4294. The rod represents the Messiah. How can we see this? Psalm 110 verses 1 and 2 says, The Lord said unto my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. This is quoted by Yeshua himself and also in Hebrews it's quoted referring to the Messiah but we can further see it by what is said in the context the Lord will send the rod of your strength out of Zion and he will rule in midst of your enemies he's sending the rod and the word rod here in Psalm 110 verse 2 is Mateh the Strong's number 4294 Psalm 110 verse 4 it says the Lord has sworn and will not repent you are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek who the Lord that's saying to my Lord who the rod that is ruling out of Zion verse 5 the Lord at your right hand shall strike through kings in the day of his wrath who's the right hand that is judging the earth it's Messiah then in Psalm 110 verse 6 he will judge among the heathen he will fill the places with the dead bodies he shall wound the heads of many countries who's the one that's judging the heathen the Messiah he's judging them just like he judged Egypt in the gods of Egypt historically the next thing what happens is Moses flees from the serpent which previously was a rod when he threw it to the ground. In Exodus chapter 4 verse 3, he said, cast it, cast the rod to the ground. That is a prophecy of the death of Yeshua. And he cast it to the ground and it became a serpent and Moses fled from before it. This is a prophecy that Yeshua being the rod, he was cast to the ground. He became sin, cast to the ground for us. Numbers chapter 21 verse 8 says, the Lord said to Moses, make you a fiery serpent and set it upon a pole and it will come to pass that everyone that is bitten when he looks upon it shall live. Yeshua referred to this and said that's a picture of him. John chapter 3 verse 14. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. The Son of Man is likened unto a serpent that got put on a pole. The serpent represents death and sin. Well, that's because in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 21 it says of Yeshua, he was made sin for us and he himself did not know any sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Exodus chapter 4 verse 3 after the rod was cast to the ground became a serpent then it says Moses fled from before it that's a prophecy Matthew chapter 27 verses 41 and 42 says likewise the chief priest mocking him with the scribes and the elders these are the rulers 
of the nation of Israel said these words. He saved others. Himself he cannot save. If you are the king of Israel, if you are the Messiah, let him now come down from the tree and then we will believe him. They didn't believe so they fled from before him. Also, Moses is a picture of the Torah and what happened by the believers that did believe that Yeshua is the Messiah. What did they do to the Torah following the days of the first century and then getting into the days of Constantine? They fled from before Moses. They fled from following the Torah. So it's a prophecy about rejecting the Messiah and rejecting the Torah is the prophetic meaning of Moses fled from before it. Then what happens is the serpent is restored to a rod. Exodus chapter 4 verse 4. The Lord said to Moses, put forth your hand and take it by the tail. And he put forth his hand and he caught it and it became a rod. Notice it was restored back to what it originally was. What happens? Yeshua after he was cast to the ground, after he was put on a tree, he was restored to glory. In Acts chapter 5 verse 30 and 31, God of our fathers raised up Yeshua whom you slew and hung on a tree. He has exalted with his right hand to be the prince and the savior and to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 2 says, Look it unto Yeshua the author and finisher of our faith who for the joy that was set before him endured the tree despising the shame and he is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. He is restored back to that rod. The rod represents authority. The first sign then is the resurrection of the Messiah. The first sign of Moses. Matthew chapter 12 verse 38. Certain of the scribes and the Pharisees answered saying Master we would seek a sign from you. And so he says in Matthew 12 verse 40 the only sign I'm going to give you is this. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the whale's belly so shall the son of man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The purpose of the first sign is that they would believe. Exodus chapter 4 verse 5. That they may believe that the Lord God of your fathers the God of Abraham the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob has appeared unto you. Romans chapter 10 verse 9 it says that if you will confess with your mouth Yeshua HaMashiach and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead you will be saved or delivered. Now let's look at the second sign of Moses. It's beginning in Exodus chapter 4 verse 6. This second sign has got to be a reference to the restoration of the gathering of both houses of Israel. Let's examine how this is so. The Lord said furthermore unto him put now your hand into your bosom and he put his hand into his bosom and when he took it out behold his hand became leprous. The second sign is leprosy and in Midrash Rabbah number 7 3 in the rabbinical commentary they're going to explain that exile is a punishment for having leprosy. Referring to the leper that they send out the camp every leper. You find that just as a mortal king has army chiefs so God has army chiefs as it says take ye the sum of the congregation of the children of Israel. That's from Numbers chapter 1 verse 2. A mortal king has exile for those condemned to punishment. God also has a place of exile for those condemned to punishment as it says that they send out of the camp every leper. Numbers chapter 5 verse 2. So Midrash Rabbah Numbers 7.10 goes on to say another exposition of Numbers chapter 5 verse 2 that is the sending out of the leper. It says command the children of Israel. The rabbis explain the verses applying to exile. Command the children of Israel as if to say because Israel has transgressed the commandment. They have incurred the penalty of being sent away. That is exile. Leprosy is a punishment for not obeying the commandments or departing from Torah. Hence it is written and let them send away from the camp. Send away has the meaning of exile as you read. Send them out of my sight and let them go forth. Jeremiah 15 verse 1. Out of the camp. That is out of the land of Israel where the Shekinah has its presence. In Midrash Rabbah number 710 we have 
likewise learned, exile comes in the world for idolatry, for immorality, for bloodshed, and for the neglect of the septennial rest of the land. For idolatry. How is this so? Because it says in Leviticus 26 verse 30, and I will destroy your high places. And it's also written, I will scatter you among the nations. Leviticus 26:33 Said the omnipresent to Israel, seeing that you have a desire for idolatry, I shall on my part exile you to a place where there is idolatry. Therefore I will destroy your high places for immorality. How is this so? Rabbi Ishmael, son of Rabbi Jose says, so long as Israel are sunk in immorality, the Shekinah keeps away from them, as it says, that he see no immoral thing in you, that is the camp of Israel, and turn from you. Deuteronomy chapter 23 and verse 13. For bloodshed, how is this so? Since the text says, so you shall not pollute the land. For blood, it pollutes the land. Numbers 35 verse 33. Scripture tells us that bloodshed defiles the land and the Shekinah depart. Moreover, on the count of bloodshed, the temple was destroyed and Israel went from their land into exile. The above sins, that is idolatry and bloodshed and immorality, were committed in the time of the first temple and therefore Israel were exiled and the temple was destroyed. How does leprosy get healed? It gets healed through repentance. In Midrash Rabbah, Numbers chapter 7, verse 10, it says, And the children of Israel did so, from Numbers chapter 5, verse 4, and they put them out without the camp. When they sinned, they went into exile. As the Lord spoke unto Moses, so did the children of Israel. What did the Holy One, blessed be he, speak to Moses? That if they repent while in any of the kingdoms where they might be, the Holy One, blessed be he, would gather them together, as it says, it will come to pass when all these things are come upon you, the blessing and the curse, and you shall return and hearken unto his voice, that the Lord your God will bring you into the land, and the Lord your God will circumcise your heart. Making a reference to Deuteronomy chapter 30, verses 1 through 6. Midrash Rabbah, number 710. So did the children of Israel indicate that the children of Israel are destined to repent in days to come, and will be redeemed, as it says, in repentant and in rest you will be saved. Isaiah chapter 30, verse 15. Moreover, as a leper, one that has an issue and one that is unclean by the dead will never be clean until they go into a ritually clean water. So the Holy One, blessed be He, will sprinkle clean water upon them and cleanse them. As it says, I will sprinkle clean water upon you and you will be clean. Ezekiel chapter 36 verse 25. Now in Luke chapter 17, we have an account where Yeshua heals 10 lepers. Luke chapter 17, beginning in verse 11 through 14. It came to pass as He went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. And he entered into a certain village. There he met ten men that were lepers which stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Yeshua, Master, have mercy upon us. And when he saw them, he said to them, Go show yourselves to the priests. In other words, if you want to be healed, go show yourself to the priests. If you do that, you follow Torah. And it came to pass as they went, as they went to the priests, as they followed Torah, that they were cleansed. Luke 17, verses 15 through 28. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back. Turned back, that means repented, Yeshua. The one that was healed, in other words saved, turned back, followed Torah. And the one that turned back with a loud voice glorified God. What is associated with the restoration or regathering of both houses of Israel? It comes about with the sound of a great shofar, which is a teruah, which is a loud voice. So the one that turned back and followed Torah is the one that glorified him because he's regathered. Luke 17, 16, he fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks, for he was a Samaritan. Who are the 
Samaritans. They are the people that was a mixture of the northern kingdom and those who conquered the northern kingdom, the Assyrians. The mixture, the intermingling of them were the Samaritans in the land of Israel. Yeshua answered, were there not ten clans? Where are the other nine? There is not found that returned to give glory to God except this stranger. Notice the one that returns after they were saved, have mercy upon us. The ten that were saved, only one returned, that in Hebrew is shuv, repent, and he came back to give glory to God. The glory of God is associated with the restoration regathering both houses of Israel. And once again, this one is called a stranger. Let's see how the ten lepers are referred to that Yeshua healed. They were Samaritans, Luke 17, 16. They were ten lepers, Luke 17, 12. They stood afar off, Luke 17, verse 12. In Daniel chapter 9, verse 7, the northern kingdom is described as being far off. And they were strangers. Why and how were they strangers? Because in Hosea 1, they were cut off from the covenant. And once you're cut off from the covenant, you are a stranger. This is a picture that Yeshua is communicating that those of the northern kingdom, the ten tribes, would ultimately be healed of their leprosy, departing from the covenant. And it shows his role to restore them unto him. Leprosy is healed through repentance. Exodus chapter 4, verse 7. He said, put your hand in your bosom again. That's the Strong's number 7725, the Hebrew word shuv, which means to return, to repent. Put your hand again, repent. And he put his hand into his bosom again, repented. He plucked it out of his bosom, and behold, it was turned again as is under flesh. Notice the way it got restored was through shuv, through repentance. So the second sign is the resurrection of Israel from the nation. Isaiah 66, verses 19 and 20 says, And I will set a sign among them, and I will send those that escape of them under the nations to Tarshish, Pool, Lud, that draw the bow, to Tubal and Havan, to the isles afar off. The children of Israel were scattered to the isles afar off, that have not heard my fame nor seen my glory, and they would declare my glory among the Gentiles. And they shall bring of your brethren for an offering unto the Lord out of all the nations, upon horses and chariots, litters and mules, and upon swift beasts, to the holy mountain of Jerusalem. Why are they coming to the holy mountain of Jerusalem? Because what goes forth out of Jerusalem? The Torah goes forth from Jerusalem. So they're returning the Torah, so they're coming to this holy mountain. Why? To serve him. You're going to serve him upon the mountain. Come to Jerusalem to serve him. That is to be a king and a priest with Messiah, teaching the Torah to all nations. That's why we're going to come back to Jerusalem, is to be a king and a priest and to make disciples of all nations during the Messianic era. Says the Lord, as the children of Israel bring an offering and a clean vessel unto the house of the Lord. Let's look at, in Exodus chapter 4, verse 8, when it speaks about the two signs. Because it's very unique in the Hebrew. Because the word for sign is the Strong's number 226. It's the Hebrew word ot. And the normal spelling of ot is aleph, vav, tav. That's the normal spelling. However, when referring to the sign in Exodus chapter 4 verse 8, as you can see here from the Hebrew text, it does not say aleph, vav, and tav. It only says aleph and tav. Aleph and tav is the Messiah. The sign is the Messiah. The first sign of the Messiah is his resurrection. The second sign of the Messiah is his role to restore and to regather both houses of Israel. It's referred to as the sign. The hay in front of Aleph and Tav is the sign. So these are the two signs. What are the two great signs of the Messiah? One, that he resurrected from the grave to forgive the sins of Israel. Second, the role of the Messiah to restore and to regather both houses of Israel. These are the two great signs of Moses. This is an example how the events that happened in the historical Egyptian redemption is a prophecy of what would happen to the descendants
descendant of Abraham and how all these things teach us about the redemptive role of Yeshua the Messiah. Well, that's going to conclude part three of the series on the subject, The Events of Passover. Shalom in Yeshua the Messiah. Amen. Thank you, Eddie. This is Stephen Morgan, and all of us here at Hebraic Heritage Ministries pray that you have enjoyed today's teaching. If you've been blessed, will you help us to share this message with others? Hebraic Heritage Ministries is supported by your generous financial gifts. In order to help you in your studies and to help us share this message with others, we are offering today the DVD, Yeshua the Lawgiver, for free for a love gift of any amount to the ministry. Hebraic Heritage Ministries also offers a monthly discipleship program. If you are interested in starting a fellowship group in your area, let us know. We would like to help you. Please contact us for more details. Our website is hebrews.org. That's H-E-B-R-O-O-T-S dot O-R-G. We would like to hear from you. Please send us an email. Finally, in order to take advantage of today's free offer, please mention this product offer and please mail your love gift to Hebraic Heritage Ministries, P.O. Box 81, Strasburg, that's S-T-R-A-S-B-U-R-G, Ohio, 44680. Until next time, may Yeshua richly bless you.